For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. And good morning, New Jersey. It is Thursday, August 20th. This is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast. I'm Bob Williams, along with our host, Jim Gerhardt. And Jim, may I begin by saying, happy National Radio Day. National Radio Day. Yes. What what is it we're supposed to do to celebrate Saluting ourselves and the medium of radio, which is probably the most intimate form of communication, electronic communication, since it uh, went on the air 100 years ago today. Still, still yeah, I, I just got back. We just got back from an hour-long walk with the puppies. So uh, invigorated. Oh, I did want to mention, speaking of puppies, last week, for people who thought I may have suddenly lost it, uh, because I came on <laughs> more than, like three or four gangbusters. Just, it, it's interesting, Bob, and I think I've told you about this. Uh, Mia, our mommy Doberman, uh, all of a sudden uh, that morning came up with a very serious abdominal complaint. And we were talking with a vet about it. And just about just before we went on the air, we got word that Mia has emergency, a real quick room to an emergency veterinary hospital or she might burst, you know, from this thing. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I go from um, uh, man out the door with the dog and uh, you know, let's hope she doesn't do that until you're on the air. It happened immediately. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's probably happened many times in your radio career. Now, how many years have you been in radio? A long, long time. Long, when, long time. when was the first time you cracked the mic at a radio station? How many years ago? I'm what? not familiar with that expression. You must go back turn, further. Turn, never... <laughs> turn on the mic. No, no, no. The first time I was ever on the air was 1957. Okay. And the first record I ever played uh, was uh, Johnny Mathis. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. I can remember that. Right. Okay. And uh, we, we had quite a mix at those times. You, radio stations were what was known as middle of the road. Right. And then, of course, The Rock came in and, and things changed to that. But you, uh, you did a lot of great stuff. I mean, you've been in some major cities, Pittsburgh, uh, Seattle, right? Uh, New York City, you've played. Uh, uh, guy, you, you've been all over the place. You've done all the formats. And, you know, gosh, to be on the, the radio uh, during the, the top 40 heyday back yeah. in seven. <laughs> gosh, that must have been so great with all of the formats and, and things yeah. like that. Gosh, I'll tell you something. In the very beginning of New Jersey 101.5, which was 30 years ago now, this was the big asset we had because everybody on the air, I think there may have been one exception. All of us had top 40 backgrounds and experience. Right. With the bells and the whistles and the quick timing and the, and the, the shifts and the like. And so it was kind of natural. What we evolved into very quickly was sort of top 40 talk. And it it was talk, which talk radio up to that time had been rather not low keyed, but it had been very level. Right, the talk topics. We had sound effects going. We were yelling, and we had uh, what we were playing music, duod, ditty, endlessly, and Uh some oldies. Yeah, so that's a great experience. Yeah, so yeah. 
great, great stuff. And radio has got a lot of uh, great years ahead, hopefully. My first record was at Montclair State, if you want to count that. 1981, I played Aerosmith's Walk This Way. I was waiting to play that at my first college station. And then, you know, life went on there. So I'm almost 40 years, but you are well over 63 Six, years. Now. Yeah, I've been doing this 60 years or so. God. Yeah. Crazy. And it's been a blast. I, I'm one of these extremely fortunate people. I, I can truly say I never worked a day in my life because I did this for a living. Yeah. And it was not work. It was a pleasure. And, and there's so many times when you wake up kind of in the middle of the night, you want to go to work. You can't wait. Right. Uh, some, especially with New Jersey 101.5 in the beginning of the tax rebellion and the like. It was tremendously exciting. And, yeah. and the medium can still be that way. However, yeah, you were, were going to ask because you're going to ask everybody today. Um, you've been in the talk radio business for a long time. Is its future of talk radio, which is still a solid medium, is it is it tied to the upcoming election? I think it is. I think it is. And I'll tell you why. There, there is an historical uh, uh, preface for this. It goes back to 2009. Now, how it's tied to the election is is whether this kind of broadcasting, this form of free speech will continue in a progressive, as they call it, administration. Right. Uh, let me give a little bit of background. Let's go back to 2009. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Now, when the uh, Obama administration came in and they were the inauguration in 2009 in January, the president brought with him when his boat landed in Washington and docked, there was a whole ship full of communists. AIDS. Now, I don't say that as an accusation. They said they were. You know, I, I didn't say it. <laughs> they said it. And they had big plans. Now, what happened was pretty quickly their aim was sort of petered out uh, when they found out that it was probably not going to fly with the American people. They were going according to a book that was written by a man named Saul Alinsky, which was a handbook to revolution. And Alinsky's uh, theory or his process for overthrowing the government, they call it dismantling it and change. But to, to, to change the government, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to overthrow this government from the top. So you do it from the bottom. And his suggestion was you do it through so-called community action, community groups. And so they set up very early in the administration, a whole network across the country of these community groups called ACORN. Remember ACORN? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Uh, which was wrought by scandal eventually, but thanks to some uh, secret uh, film footage that was taken of their operation. But the idea was that you get enough of this uh, turmoil going on. It's like termites, uh, termites in your cellar, yeah. that you eat the government away from the cellar of the foundation and it, and it comes down and then of course you're ready to move in now one of the things that that was going at that time remember glenn beck i don't know where glenn yeah. beck is doing nowadays he's glenn beck he's got podcasts and stuff he's not on uh cable news anymore but he's uh and he used to be on radio but he's uh i believe he's got podcasts and he's still in business yeah he's still well, a short time right after the obama administration started he was on uh fox news yes and every night at five o'clock he would do an expose of some of these people in this new government that went in. And it, it was very stark. And eventually, as I understand it, Fox dropped him because they were getting you know, afraid. But he was apparently telling the truth. 
because eventually the president and, and the administration had pulled back these people and they all kind of disappeared. They went underground. They were very high profile in the beginning. And there were some tapes that have been intercepted of their plans. Now, one of the plans, I won't get into much detail here, except one of the plans that they had with a new administration, you appoint a lot of new people everywhere. Now, the Federal Communications Commission, which oversees broadcasting, radio, television and the like, uh, the new members were appointed and they were given a mandate to pronounce a, a regulation or a rule that in effect meant in any community, a licensed radio station could have the license taken away from it if a minority group had pled with the government that they were offended, you know, or something or unhappy with the programming. And then if that was declared to be the case, if they had a solid case of, of being offended by, and as you know, some of these groups are offended by everything. You say good morning, they take high offense. But anyway, they would be given the franchise. They would be given the license. The license would be taken away from the owner and given to them. Now, that is a precedent in a regulation and a rule. I do not know that it was ever enforced, because if you can remember back, there was a lot of plans of that new administration that just suddenly went away because they found out that it wasn't going to fly in this country. Right. Now, so the President Obama, in 2009, had come in with these this group and this ideology, this uh, Alinsky plan and program to reshape the government, and had to back off it. But to show you how these people morph <laughs> over the terms of his administration, in his last year in office, he was being accused by a black group of being what they said, quote, the black mascot of Wall Street. <laughs> so he changed. Yeah. He saw which way the wind was blowing. Right. And it became actually a pretty moderate uh, as opposed to coming in with his change. And he came, of course, from the background of this church where they absolutely hated the country, taught hatred of the country yeah. and other you know, racial groups. Uh, and so I think they thought at the time, just being immersed in the politics in Chicago, that maybe this is how it was in the rest of the world. It turns out it wasn't. But anyway, my point that I'm getting to, talk radio to be successful has always been, uh, well, I, I would say extremely moderate or conservative. Yes. Liberal talk radio never worked. They tried to set up, George Soros set up his operation a few years ago. I think it was called the USA Network and they're going to be very liberal. Or something like Air America or something like that. Yeah. It was not Air America. Uh, it was, uh, anyway, whatever it was, it was all liberal. The morning guy on this network was Al Franken. Al Franken was a third-rate comedian who eventually morphed into a fourth-rate politician. He became a United States senator. And I felt sorry for the guy. He had to resign his Senate seat because he had patted some lady on the backside. Mm. That was the accusation. That was during the height of the Me Too frenzy that went on. But anyway, he did the morning show. It was a dismal failure. It was... Uh, Sort of orthodox liberal at the time, of course, leaning pretty much to the progressive. It just didn't work. I don't know why, except that you could make an argument that the American people basically, if not conservative, are certainly moderates. Right. So uh, that didn't work. So what you have is conservative radio. Now, I think if the new administration, if it comes in and they have both houses of Congress, you're going to be in the hands of a utopia turned dystopia. 
government as they try to socialize it. Now, one of the things they're going to have to do is to somehow block criticism on any large scale or opposition to that. And so you go through the Federal Communications Commission again, and this time, no kidding, you set up these conditions, such as I had mentioned before, about stripping a station of a license if some group doesn't like what you're broadcasting. Also, there will be very stringent rules about uh, what you can say about a politician. Now we are free to kick the bedickens out of them. Right. As long as you're not libelous with it, as long as you limit it to, to actual activity of theirs and not the personality. You won't be able to do that. I think in, uh, in England, for example, I think there is such a law. You can only be so critical of the government. And, and then it starts and then it goes on from there. But that is my, my thought, my, my projection. If the loony left, whatever you want to call them, I guess you can't call them loony left. They just spent three days spending the whole nights on television promoting this stuff. Well, tonight's their big... I think these are things that are going to happen. In other words, they are going to mute this kind of a conversation. Yeah. And we're one of the last uh, we're one of the last holdouts anyway of free speech, Bob. We will not lose our jobs, particularly simply by taking a political position. Our heaven knows all of us would have been gone some time ago. But you can't do that in the workplace, or you lose the job. You get ostracized. So you have to be very very careful. A teacher can't do it. Uh, a person. Well, we know so many hundreds of cases like that. Right. So. Uh, we're going downhill. I did just uh, to end the conversation here. I mean, th- that is my projection of what will happen if you let these people get in power. Now, although the convention, thank God, I didn't have to watch a second of it. <laughs> but I know that, uh, what they are doing, and it's all a bunch of bull. They're trying to make themselves kind of sort of in the middle, uh, throwing a few sops, of course, to the radical groups who in under the whole thing are actually running the show and so here you have uh, uh progressives in moderates clothing and they're trying to convince you of that i pretty i fell for it last week pretty much remember i came on in my 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 my, my exuberant state and, and was saying pretty kind things about the vice presidential nominee mm. because i looked it up it seemed to me you know what's the problem here here's a lady she's married got a nice family raised his children <laughs> wow uh, but again, you know, we, we live and learn. But um, this, these are things that you have to look forward to. Now, I think the left, the, this is not based on ideology, their maneuvers, their goals. It's based on power. Ideology is an excuse. Socialism. It's really power and, and population control and centralized power. The reason they do it is every one of these people is something of a sociopath running this thing or psychopath, and they want to be the power. (laughs) But oddly enough, they may be the first ones who are victims of the power. And there are precedents for that after revolutions. Now, don't be surprised and don't say it can't happen here. These big changes happen very quickly. It is not unusual in the world for people to go to bed one night serene in their belief in the stability of their system and to wake up in the morning in chaos and a new system entirely suppressing them. This is the way it generally happens. So, so many things, you know, could be drawn as parallels to that. But, and again, one of the, and I keep harping on this, one of the goals has to be this nomination 
uh, to the Supreme Court. The next president will have probably two, undoubtedly one, but two nominations to the Supreme Court. It will be very hard to alter, destroy, or dismantle the Constitution, ergo the government, with constitutionalists on the Supreme Court, and not a bunch of far-left liberals who want to make decisions that will undermine the protections of the Constitution. In Washington, you have one friend, and that is the Constitution. You got nothing else, because you can't depend on anybody else. They want to fix it so you cannot depend on that. Yeah. So think about it when you vote. Yeah. Uh, we, we got a lot of other things to cover, but I just wanted to get that out. Don't be surprised if you are enjoying the last days of open free talk radio. And as we uh, transition into the election itself, uh, front and center is the controversy involving the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. Uh, the, the funding, is it underfunded? Is it overfunded? Is it a waste of time? Is it not being utilized properly? Is it being uh, politicized uh, with the possibility of widespread mail-in voting, the, the concerns over fraud, things like that? And, uh, you know, you have, you have your thoughts about the U.S. Postal Service, so uh, have at it. Tell us what oh, you think. Well, I, I want people to understand one thing. The Postal Service starts with a millstone around its neck, and a big one. When the Postal Service was set up, the public workers' unions, by which it would be people, wielded so much political power that part of their franchise uh, charter, when they set it up, they have to put aside $5 billion a year. They're in the hole for $5 billion a year when they start the year. And that money has to be put toward or in an account for workers' pensions and, and their various entitlements. So they start $5 billion in the hole. Now, it's, it's very difficult at 40 cents a stamp to make that up, to even start getting your operating overhead uh, much less profit. So they have to lose every year. They've always been handicapped with that. They have been somehow bound up with uh, largely you, uh, uh, government and, and union uh, rules that makes it very difficult to operate. I don't know what goes on in post offices, but there are some very nice people working there, but there are a lot of real soreheads, as witnessed the great siege they had before of, quote, going postal. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of unhappy people. Whether they've dealt with that or not, I don't know. Maybe they have. But the only people I see are the letter carriers who are wonderful people that you know, come by our house anyway. But they start off with that. Uh, and they're always strapped. Now they're having this additional burden put upon them. And I think what they're trying to signal is that this is going to be a, what you say, an ethnic fire drill. I can't be any more specific than that anymore because of political correctness. But this is going to be uh, a mess, a chaos. And, of course, I believe that the left wants it to be a chaos because this opens up very fertile grounds for fraud easily. The post office can't handle the, the ballots turning them in, and everybody can complain, no matter who wins this election, I predict. Whoever wins this election is going to be outraged, incensed, and will sue the other side for fraud. One of them's going to say it's fraud. One of them is going to say it, one, one side or the other. Well, they both will. They both yeah. will. It depends on who wins. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, of course, the losing side is going to say it. The winning side is going to be very happy with it, as they were in 1960. 
when Kennedy got into office by a couple hundred thousand fraudulent votes in Chicago. And then Nixon uh, took the high road and says, well, we can sue for this and maybe we'll win and overturn the election, but it's bad for the American people and system. So he dropped out, made some bitter remarks and <laughs> slinked off sulking into the dark to come back four years later or eight years later. You may not have the answer to this, but um, what is this? What is the deal with the post office now being responsible for delivering a lot of these online packages? I'm seeing the post office the last year or so working on Sundays, just delivering packages for, I guess, well, the they're trying to make a living. I, I once uh, told one of the letter carriers, I said, it was bringing catalogs, you know, on a stack. Yeah. I said, well, isn't this awfully vexatious to you and your people have to carry this stuff around? He said, no, that's what pays our salary. Right. But and are, so, are, these, are these online companies paying yeah. us to, oh, yeah. uh, to compensate sure. the post? So they're not, so in other words, they're not losing, the post office is not losing money. Oh, it's making money. Work. Okay, it's making money. Okay. And, and I say it's making money. This doesn't mean they're rolling in money. They have to do anything. They're desperate. They have an arrangement with Amazon, for example, and some of the others. Uh, and uh, even uh, some of the, they even have an arrangement with, uh, I, I know at least one of the major independent carriers uh, to, especially, you know, during a holiday or a rush period to chip in. I mean, I'm sure they get paid for it. I, I'm not an insider right. at okay. the post office, but I'm sure they, they, they do get compensated for it. The post office has to really scrap simply to stay alive. Uh, and the government has rarely really bailed them out. They just, something convenient to bail out. But again, uh, I, th I think they're absolutely correct in that they're asking for trouble. But I do believe some of the political powers want the trouble. Right. So they can sneak in under the tumult and the shouting and everything. It's, it's in the air. Right. So, um, New Jersey this week, uh, we got some sad news, Jim. Governor Murphy, looks like we're stuck with him. Even if uh, Joe Biden wins the presidency, Governor Murphy says, no, I won't accept a cabinet position in a Biden administration. So, oh, come on. Sure, he will. Yeah. 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 Because they're not going to offer him one. What has he done to get a cabinet position? Yeah. He's not making too many friends this week. The Restaurant Owners Association not pleased with him because apparently uh, the governor's not being truthful with uh, communication. The Restaurant Association says they've been reaching out to him for the last two months. Governor says, oh, I just heard from them last week. And the uh, president of the Restaurant Owners Association says he's lying. I've been trying to text him. I've been emailing him since late June, <laughs> July. And it's almost the end of August, and now he's finally hearing from it. And now it may be very well, unfortunately, too late for a lot of these restaurants, even with the limited outdoor dining, to come back or even, you know, thrive in the future. And that's the sad thing about that, Jim. Hello? Are we still there? Did we lose you? Oh, boy. go there we go are we back now yeah, what happened there's something just suddenly cut in okay an out, outbreak of public <laughs> expression of the public maybe, they, 
Maybe somebody didn't like what we were saying. So anyway. I was shocked by what you said. A politician speaking with forked tongue, <laughs> not telling the truth. I am shocked. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. It's, uh, it sounds like oh, a week here in the States. So um, I don't know what to say. But that, that's really sad. I, you know, I, I got well. I have so many things to talk about. We did in the school, uh, the plans for the school system, which is still very confusing. Maybe next week uh, we will pick up on that. I uh, talking about the political convention. Uh, I <laughs> I I don't think among the other things that, that would fix me, I would get sick if I had to watch this. As I will get sick if I watch the Republican blather their convention. Just as an aside here, I, I came up with a way. I think that, that Donald Trump can win this election How's that? if he can go into his basement and stay there and be quiet. Because all of the facts mitigate in the favor of, of a continuation of this administration if you base it on accomplishments. Yeah. The negative part of this administration is him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing. And, and I, I think if he would simply... Uh, uh, I, I guess the first, the, the first, well, the first loaded cannon on the deck, I guess, is the office could be called. And there's a high likelihood, and I think we all know this, and we will kind of cringe and hold our breath when he's speaking during the campaign. He could come out with one burst and shoot the whole campaign down. Mm. So I would suggest that the president emulate his opponent, who seems to be doing well, not coming out of his cellar. What if he's down there with... Uh, Norman Bates's mother in that cellar. Remember her? <laughs> Speaking of cellar dwellers, but I again, I, I just just want to get this in. These Clintons, when the hell will they sit down and shut up and go away? Get off the stage. I understand they were participating in the convention. How would they have the gall to do that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, here, here is the William Jefferson Clinton, who is by all accounts afflicted clearly with satiriasis. Now, spends time on an island whose main function is to provide a safe nest for pedophiles. How would you draw a conclusion saying everybody else went down there to dally with underage people? However, this one person, he came down and all he did was sit out on the deck in the sunshine, study his Bible lesson and uh, you know, contemplate the lives of the saints. Yeah. Uh, it 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 it's kind of doesn't quite mesh, and yet these people will stay like after the Monica Lewinsky, the Trentonian, the newspaper, came out with a headline the day after the Mon uh, Monica Lewinsky scandal broke and said the big headline was Clinton resigns. We all took for granted that's what he'll do. That's what presidents and and people do. There's a matter of honor there when you are caught with your pants down in a situation like that, especially in the Oval Office, you resign. Not a Clinton. They simply tough it out. The next day you get a picture of her holding his hand. They're coming out of church, clutching their Bibles with his pious looks on their faces and go on. Because I think the Clintons found out something that took us a long time to figure out is morality is of no particular value to the American people by and large anymore. Right. It's a side issue. That's an old dead issue. Okay, but anyway, I uh, uh, somebody says, well, you know, the big story was the convention. How come you're not talking about it? I haven't wanting anything to do with it. Rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah. Mm. Well, 
one of the funniest things. We were talking about the post office before. A, a meme, obviously satire. Somebody put a picture of Donald Trump on the on the uh, picture of the the fifty five cent stamp, so that he would <laughs> that out there now as like a you know on the ballots that are going out that it's been mailed out with the Trump's picture. I thought that was pretty funny. Hey, speaking of things, I want you to get up a little. I want everybody to see your shirt because all all I can see is life would be boring without. See, I now I see what life would be boring without. Uh, Life is boring without Bob. How do you make, <laughs> make a good point? Thank you. Um, and finally, um, we were, oh, tonight Eric Scott's got another town hall on New Jersey 101.5. This time they'll be talking about back to school. A lot of different uh, ways uh, schools are going to open online, a combination of both, maybe some more in person. Talk about the uh, Sports programs, things like that. He's going to have a panel of educators, healthcare experts, and get all your opinions tonight live on New Jersey 101.5 at 7 o'clock. It'll also be on our website, nj1015.com, on the app. And that's tonight with Eric. Always a very informative show when yeah. they do, doing these town halls for a long time, especially during the COVID the last six months. Been doing a great job. So make sure you tune in tonight at 7 o'clock for that. I think it's, it's extra important because this is so confusing to a lot of people. I basically, I, I think they should. Uh, there is a great value in the uh, virtual education, but it's sort of a Darwinian thing. Motivated kids are going to really learn a lot. Unmotivated kids are not. So right. there's going to be a bigger, bigger divide between the what intellectual haves and have-nots caused by this. But I think at least it does give a shot to highly motivated kids, which is which we need for heaven's sakes. Yeah. I can see that I can see some highly motivated 17 year old senior in high school who's online completely getting a full time job somewhere and making a ton of money while he's still going to school. I can see that happening. If, if well, school for somebody, they can go out there and work 40 hours, no problem, and then do their schoolwork at night for a couple of hours, just like sure. we do in college. I, I well, think. That's okay. And learning, they're there to learn, and that's good for society. It's good for them. And uh, so any way they learn is fine with me, but just learn. Yeah. Don't just, just rock the class or sit there and doodle. And uh, I don't know who's going to police it. Who's going to police it and come around and peep in your window to see if the kid's actually taking that class or not? Nobody. Who knows? Yeah. It'll be like the old runny egg law that they had years ago. Yeah. So. Which I won't get into. Next week I'll get into <laughs> That'll be our teaser, runny egg law. Well, enjoy the rest of your National Radio Day. I'm going to go possibly dig up a couple of air checks from when we used to be on the morning show way back in the day. I think I got a couple of VCR air checks when we were on the uh, the Comcast Network, CN8. Yeah. Uh, that was some. Those are some great days on New Jersey 101.5. So maybe I'll uh, dig one of those out. So, but uh, at seven years we did this on television, and it was kind of a blast. Really, yeah, Wayne's World. We may, and you know something. If we if we do two at our own horn, I think we made a positive difference for a lot of people in New Jersey over the last thirty years with all of the uh, controversial topics we've taken over in defense of the the innocent uh, underdog here in New Jersey, from the toilet paper taxes back in nineteen ninety three through the empty <laughs> campaign and everything in between. We've been there, and hopefully, we'll be here for many more years. Yeah. That's so. Here we go. Have yourself a great day. God bless you. Take care of you. Did I tell you that little poem that I had that uh, somebody had written? I think I did. Providence. 
that watches out for children, drunkards, and fools with silent miracles and other esoterica. Please continue to suspend your ordinary rules and bless the United States of America. In spite of us, please. I hope everybody gets part of the blessing. We need it. We need it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, everybody. We'll, we'll catch you next week. Hey, ciao. Live long and prosper. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.